0: You're listening to the Fantrax Radio Network. Fantasy sports lives here.
1: Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by the Fantrax Podcast Network. I am Pat Donovan and joining me tonight, returning to the podcast, is Joe Saunders.
2: You can't get me and Nick in the same room anymore.
1: Thank God you guys are just painful when you're together.
2: (laughs) And
1: joining us tonight, we've got Toby Gavon of Crazy on Twitter. What's going on, Toby? Nothing much, guys. Thanks so much for for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Great, man. We're really happy to have you on. As I told you before we started tonight, uh, you are a must-follow on Twitter. Um, Great stats, uh, great stuff all the time, every day. I highly recommend you. Um, I think that, you know, you're putting out some of the best stuff on Twitter at this point.
3: Well, I, I really appreciate that. And and just a warning to people who are considering following me, my my Twitter feed for the next week is probably gonna be Domingo
1: Herman. So um just be prepared for that. <laughs> I got wrecked by Domingo Harman tonight, so <laughs> yeah. I, I experienced all the pain that comes with facing the person that has Domingo Herman. So Yeah. All right, well, we've got a great show for you guys tonight. We're going to kick it off with some news and notes, as always. Uh, The first item of news, Miguel Cabrera, out for the year with a torn biceps. What are your thoughts on Cabrera for next year, and who are some replacement first basements you like? Toby, why don't you kick us off?
3: Yeah, I think uh I mean it's it's definitely a bummer for Miggy owners, especially, you know, first base has turned out to be fairly shallow this year. And if you don't already have a replacement on your team, it's gonna be hard to find a good one. Um for next year, I'm I'm not that into Miggy. I wasn't that into Miggy earlier this year. I really think the injuries are, are taking a toll. Get a career low, uh about twenty percent five ball rate. Um and so you know he's 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 getting a lot of base hits but he's not really generating any power he's not the miggy of old and um and so i'm i'm gonna be staying away from next year and really um just looking at him in much later rounds as somebody who might be able to produce a little value a little batting average but outside of that i won't be counting on him very much
2: yeah toby uh, I, i'm with you there um i was the low man on this podcast on Miggy um, after seeing him in spring training and the lack of life in his bat. Um, so I'm with you there. As far as a replacement um, at first base, uh, we're we're gonna talk about him a little bit more later in the podcast. But I think John Hicks is is the pickup for sure. Um, he's Miggy's replacement, um, and he's swinging a hot bat right now.
1: Yeah, I mean I was aggressive on Miggy coming into the year, comparable to the market, and I expect that I will be again next year. Um, my ceiling for him will definitely be adjusted. I mean, this year I thought there was a shot that he could, you know, put together a 300 plus average and 30 bombs. Um, I think now, even if you're being optimistic, I think the power would top out around 25 homers full season pace. Um, because as Toby mentioned, he just is not, um, generating the lift in his swing that he used to, um, but the batting average should be there, and maybe you know, with some more time off, um, he can figure something out and get the swing back in, in order. But uh, I mean, as of this point, he's a he's a he's little more than a flyer. Um, towards the back ends of your, you know, 12-team mixed league drafts, I think, at this point. Um, yeah, as far as some some placements, I mean, the first base market is pretty good in 12-team leagues. You're looking at Justin Bohr at 48%, Ryan Healy 43%, Eric Thames at 43%, Alonzo 33%, and Matt Davidson at 28%. Are there any of those names that jump out to you guys that, that you like better? I know, Joey, you mentioned John Hicks. Uh, I imagine some of those guys are in front of Hicks for you, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, James is actually probably someone I'd I'd really go after.
1: Toby, any of those guys you like that jump out to you? Yeah,
3: um, I, I agree. Is um, one name who comes comes to my, uh, that you mentioned that I think would be a, a, a good pickup if you can get him. I saw on Twitter today. I don't know if this is actu- uh, if this is um, accurate, but they were playing Jesus uh, Aguilar at third base, so I don't know if that. Uh, an effort to make up uh, at the same time names, Thames, but uh, Thames definitely has been hitting the ball well. Uh, Andre and he obviously had a big game a couple of days ago. I mean, Boer, his walk rate's up to 16.8%. O-swing or chase rate is down 6%. And so, you know, he's hitting the ball well, 12 home five play appearances. Um, he's a guy. Um, there's a few names in deeper leagues that I had, kind of jotted down uh a little bit uh you know if you're looking at 15 15 team leagues kind of deeper leagues i um, um knows hitting the ball really hard he's got a league average contact and play discipline he's also hitting a lot of fly balls eight uh, percent barrel per plate appearance rate um there's one guy and then logan morrison believe it or not he's still hitting i think uh, 199 or something like that. But a uh, couple weeks, his his expected weighted on base average is 5.45, which is second in the league. Um, his five ball percent wow. and hard hit percent are spiking at the same time, and his contact rate is up to 84 percent over his last 20 games. So he's a guy who you know you might be able to kind of hop on to. Um, Jose Miguel Fernandez as well, playing for Anaheim as part of the strong side platoon. That's my son yelling in the background. <laughs> <laughs> And and uh,
1: I'll I'll get to those I'll get to those other things. <laughs> I didn't
2: I didn't realize Lomo was so high.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize that either. That's good stuff. Uh,
3: All right, well, let's yeah. move to. Uh, oh, good. On that point, I mean, this is one of the things that I that I like to do is, you know, I'm not sure how well he's batting over that 20 games, but the skills are there for some really elite production, and we've seen what he did last year, and so he might be one of those guys that hot yet, but the underlying skills and the batted balls are showing that once luck turns his way, he might be somebody who can who can take a couple couple strides.
1: Yeah, and he's a guy that, I mean, if he was drafted in most mixed league formats, um, you can either get him very cheap via trade or uh, in in the most likely case, he's been let go uh, because he's been so bad. So if you're desperate, he's the perfect guy to target. Okay, let's move it to his teammate, Miguel Sano, who was sent down the single A. Um, you know, this seems to be a complete reset for Sano, who um, has had some off the field problems, has had some attitude problems, apparently, um, and has struggled overall in terms of his production. What are you doing with Miguel Sano? Uh, Joe, why don't you kick us off?
2: Yeah. So am I crazy to argue that in uh redraft leagues, if you don't have a spot for him, he is droppable? No
1: no i don't think so i don't think
2: you're crazy at all okay because i think that's my move um i I, he's he's you know a way advanced hitter for single a double a and i saw him in triple a on his rehab assignment earlier this year and he crushed those those pitchers too so it's not like he's not he's not capable and talented enough to be in the majors um Pat, like you mentioned though, this is just clearly a, a reset of sorts, um, either to clear his mind or his attitude or his behavior um, so with that said i I think and and his poor performance um i 'm definitely considering dropping him
1: uh, Toby, what do you think? Um, yeah,
3: I'm right there with Joe. I, I think, um, you know, in, in deeper leagues, 15 teamers, uh, dynasty leagues, obviously you're, I think you're holding on to him just because that power is something that's really difficult to replace, but he's actually been really bad for about a calendar year now. Um, you know, the major change in his profile, you know, his contact rate is atrocious. It's, it's actually improved recently up to 66%. League averages at about 60 is about 76 to seven. But the big change is his O swing has actually um, uh, increased from the ball outside of the zone. And the problem is that now that he doesn't have elite uh, plate discipline, you know, he's chasing pitches outside of the zone. Um, his contact rate is low. And so his average is just cratering believe it or not, his expected average is actually lower than, I think he's hitting like 203 or something like that. His expected average is actually lower than that. Um, when you look at xstats.org and his batted ball profile. So he's a guy, I think, you know, the the average is going to be a huge drain on your team. Um, you know, and, and I just don't, I don't see how he's going to be successful with the approach that he currently has at the plate.
1: I mean, if you've got the space, I definitely think that he's worth a stash um, because he is the type of player that has, uh, you know, in terms of raw power, uh, he's matched by very few people in Major League Baseball. Um, if you have no bench, I think you can move on. Um, I'm su- I suspect this will be about a month, uh, maybe through the All-Star break. Um but Snow is explosive. I mean, regardless of um, the underlying skills uh, and the problems that he has, which are very, you know, clear and well documented. I mean, the K rate's up, the walk rate's down, um, and you know, the underlying numbers in terms of chase rate uh, certainly support that. Um, he is the type of player that can go on a crazy power streak, um, and I'm willing to buy low in redraft if I have the room for him. Um, you know, and, and as far as the attitude and, and, and stuff like that. It's not really stuff that we can comment on or, or or put in perspective, but it, to me, this, this seems like the right thing to get him to um, the place where he needs to be, which is, you know, focused and, um, you know, able to succeed and hopefully it'll be a wake up call for him because the guy has a ton of talent and it's not, it's not that he doesn't have an understanding of, of the strike zone. Uh, he certainly does. I mean, he's got walk, he's got, he's had very good walk rates throughout his major league career. Um, he's certainly has the ability to be successful. And unlike a lot of, um, you know, mashers, he's also a plus BABIP guy. And he's been that throughout his career. Um, you know, so, I mean, Toby, you mentioned that uh, the expected batting average is actually lower, but um, he, he's also been a guy that's carried, you know, heavy or high end BABIPs. I mean, I think he's for his career, he might be like a three fifty guy. I could be mistaken, okay. but uh, there you go. 355.
3: <laughs> yeah. Career Babbitt.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, he can carry that 30 plus percent strikeout rate. Um, that's not the problem when it gets up above 40. That's really the issue. <laughs> so I, I think that, I think this is good for him overall. If I'm, if I'm in a dynasty league, you know, I, I feel, I hate to say I'm encouraged by it, but I think it's going to be the best thing for him. Um, because he's got to get himself straightened out okay let's move to Carlos Carrasco uh, who left his start after getting hit in the elbow by a comebacker he was placed on the DL with an elbow contusion he's going to be re-examined tomorrow apparently all x-ray tests came back negative so it looks like he's dodged a bullet Shane Bieber got the call Uh, what do you guys think about Carrasco Uh, Toby you can kick us off
3: yeah, I think, uh, I think this might actually be a buying opportunity. Um, you know, he, he kind of has a reputation as being injury prone, even though um, I don't have it in front of me, but he's actually p- pitched a decent amount of innings, particularly considering, you know, the new context for what is, what's the new normal for innings pitched um, over the last few years. And so he's kind of got this label attached to him. But last year he pitched um, about 200 innings. Um, the skills are all there. They're pretty much identical, if not better, than what we saw last year. His swinging strike rate is 13.1% this year. It was 13.4% last year. His O swing percentage is 39%. Um, This year it was 31% last year. And he's actually throwing more first pitch strikes. Um, And his batted ball profile is pretty comparable um, to what it was last year. Um, Even when you look at it a little bit more precise than just ground ball, line drive, five ball, when you get into kind of launch angles and exit velocities, it's actually not um, too different from last year. So I actually think this might be a buying opportunity. He really thrived at the, uh, towards the end of last year um, you know, when he increased uh, use of his chain and, and really decreased things. He's not throwing his fastball as much again this year, but his changeup hasn't been as successful. So if he can somehow find a way to turn that around, I actually think that this might be a good buying opportunity because there's very few players, there's very few pitchers that are going to bring that skill set particularly, you know, playing for Cleveland uh, and likely in, 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 good position to get a, a number of wins.
1: All right, Joe, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah. So I'm a Toby here. I think it is represents a good buying opportunity. Um, I, I mean, everything looks in line with what he's done in the past. I'm um, just, just really a, a little bit unlucky. Um, I mean, I think the fit and the FIP are all, all in line with his career. Um, So, yeah, I think if you can get him for the right price, he's worth it. I mean, a couple of trades I have right in front of me that have been done in the past, uh, you know, five or so days. Carlos Carrasco for Blake Trinan. um, I think that's a no-brainer. Even as good as Trinan's been.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, but Trinan, he's the best. No, (laughs) no. And
2: and and then Keiko for Carrasco. I mean... Obviously, I, I'm not that high on Keuchel, but I'd absolutely rather have Carrasco than Keuchel.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, definitely.
2: So so he's he's gettable.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there's a way, there's a path to buying him, definitely, because as Toby mentioned, he's got this sort of injury-prone label, even though he might not deserve it. And I mean, he certainly has, you know, a crazy amount of bad luck. I mean, this is the third time in recent years that this guy's been struck by a line drive. Um you know, and this time he actually managed to dodge a bullet, apparently. Um, but, yeah, I've watched Paresco pitch several times this year. Um, it looks to me like he was struggling a little bit early on. Um, I, I I think his fastball velo was just a little bit down, and I think he was struggling to command his change up a little bit. Um, in recent starts, I've seen that come back. Um, so provided that there's no sort of after effects of this, which I'm not ruling out. I mean, this could be something where the x-rays come back clean and he's just not comfortable for the rest of the year um, because of something that's going on in the elbow that we don't know about yet. Um, I, I do not rule that out. But yeah, I think it's a pretty decent buying opportunity because his his overall numbers haven't been that great in terms of results. And his underlying skills have been pretty strong. Um, And all the peripherals look like they're in line with who he's been. So I think it's a pretty... Decent buying opportunity. Uh, let's move to the guy that was called up for that was called up in his place. We're going to talk about Shane Bieber, uh, who came up and started over the weekend, five and two thirds. Uh, pretty quality work, other than a bunch of hits. Uh, Joe, what do you think about Shane Bieber as a potential pickup?
2: Yeah, I mean I mean Bieber's didn't, has done his thing so far, right? With no walks um and, and solid solid strike really solid strikeout numbers, but large strand rate um at 87.2% um and uh, a fifteen point four percent homer to fly ball rate, which is you know pretty high. Also coupled with the fact that um, you know, I I I don't imagine that Carrasco is going to be shelved too long. Um and he only came up for Bowers' uh start the other the other week just to give Bowers some breathing room. So, um I think long term unless if someone else gets hurt, uh Bieber doesn't have too much value, but the pit, I I mean, I, I like what I've seen so far.
1: And Toby, what's your take on, on Bieber?
2: <laughs> oh, um
1: Uh,
3: Bieber reminds me a lot of the profile that we saw with Joe Musgrove when he first came. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. uh, Sorry. Um, uh, But you know, a guy who comes in with, um, I don't know if, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know if I'll call it elite command. I'll say he's got elite control, right? He's not, he's walking very few batters, but you know, in the major leagues, that doesn't translate as well because you 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 know you, you see guys come up and they're afraid to walk, afraid to pitch outside the zone, and you're not going to get a ton of success. Um, you know, unless you you truly have elite command, and I'm not sure Bieber, um, you know, is quite there yet. In terms of his strikeouts, he has a decent strikeout percentage so far, but the underlying skills don't really support that. His swinging strike, strike rate is 8.5%, which is their percent below uh, league average. Um, so I wouldn't expect that K percentage to really hold up, you know, the long pitches. so, you know, in baseball now, I often swinging strike rate is, is oftentimes one of the major things that I go to because the elite p- pitchers that you see pitching now are, you know, generally guys who, who miss bats and, um, you know, guys who induce a lot of contact it's very, very hard to be successful doing that unless you have an elite sinker like a Keikel um, or, you know, elite command. But again, there's very few guys that are, that are doing that in this league. And so for me, I'm, I would, I would take a pass on Bieber. I think, uh, some regression is coming both in the, the strikeout rate, um, and Joe mentioned the really high um, strand rate right now that I think will will come down. The Babbitt will come down, come down too. It's 471 at the moment. But I just don't see the profile translating that well, and I haven't seen the stuff based on the skills, um, you know, to indicate that he's going to be really successful at the major league level. Again, it's been it's been 11, point, uh, 11 and a third innings, so that could change. But so far, I don't see anything that's really <laughs> jumping out as me at Uh, at me as exciting.
1: See, Joe, this is why I wanted to have Toby on, because he agrees with me on pretty much everything.
2: Musgrove (laughs) is officially the comp. Yeah, I I had
1: said Musgrove was the comp um, on Twitter back when Bieber was getting the call originally. (laughs) And I I don't remember who it was that I got into the argument with, but somebody, you know, flamed me out on the fact that, you know, they're completely different pitchers and blah, 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 blah. And and what I was trying to get at was exactly what you just said, which was... (laughs) listen, these these guys that have this super elite control profile in the minor leagues always come up and look great. And yeah, there is a non-zero chance that they're Cliff Lee, but they're probably not. Okay. <laughs> and what normally ends up happening is they are in the zone too much. They get hit around and... They they lose their opportunity, and that's exactly what I see happening to Bieber. And I think that's what we saw originally. Now I know it's only one, I know it's only one start, and then it was two starts. Um, but it, it's just like you said, it's not a profile that that is going to fool hitters. Uh, I, I don't know that he's got the command to be able to 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 pitch inside the zone and get the swings and misses inside the zone. So he's really walking off. A- fine line. And the fact that he's giving up a ton of hits indicates to me that he's getting hit hard and it's just not, it's not a good mix at all. And he's going to be a guy that I think is going to have to figure out that he can't just, you know, pound the zone like he can in the minors um, at the major league level. Now you can still have very good control. um, And, you know, full hitters and go outside the zone and give into them every once in a while. And I think that's the skill that he has to learn. Um, So I don't, it's not that I give up hope for him for the long term. It's just, uh, I think people were a little overexcited for him and now we're starting to see, yeah, you can't just, you know, throw the ball in the zone over and over and over again uh, because you end up being, you know, Joe Musgrove circa Houston, or you end up being uh, Michael Pineda, you know, Jeff, Jeff Samarjo from last year. Um, It it just, it, they, it comes for you. You, you are eventually going to get hit around. Okay. And then we have a couple of closing situations that we need to discuss. Uh, Kevin Herrera was traded to the Nats. Uh, Who do you guys think is next in line in Kansas city? Uh, I'm assuming that Herrera is going to sit behind Sean Doolittle um, probably as a setup guy. Yeah, little is actually in in a safe situation right now, so that's cleared up to the extent it was ever really a question. Um, Who do you think is getting the saves for the Royals? And do you care? No. Joe, you (laughs) want (laughs) to...
2: No, I don't care. McCarthy stinks. Hill stinks. Barlow just got sent down. He's was like all right i mean oh. that bullpen's in shambles um and i think they'll do you more harm than good I, I mean it's all speculation if you really need saves and i imagine that um they're just going to go around in a carousel and ride the hot hand because they're all really not that good
1: yeah for all of like the 20 games they're going to win the rest of the way
2: <laughs> exactly that too <laughs>
1: All right Toby, what do you think is there anybody here you like or are you with Joe Um
3: I'm in, I'm with Joe in general I actually I, I'm in this uh of all leagues I'm in this twelve my like a home 12 team Yahoo league and saves have just been the pits. I went all in last year, and I traded a bunch of draft picks. Um, so I, I had it was sparse. Uh, it was very sparse. I tried to go very low closers in the draft, and I've just had the worst luck. So believe it or not, I, t- I picked up Tim Hill.
1: Uh, and, you feel dirty, and, don't then you, you? and then you immediately took a shower.
2: Yeah, uh,
3: <laughs> it, it feels it uh, feels wrong, but um, yeah. So the one thing that I like about Hill with McCarthy, I've seen a lot of people saying he's going to get the job. And that, that could be true. He's got a very low K percentage and I just don't see people with that low K percentage being successful, um, you know, in, in that role. And just in general, again, going back to putting too many balls in play, um, Hill, you know, his swinging strike rate is not great. Nothing is great in the Kansas city bullpen, uh, but it is closer to league average. Um, he's been unlucky so far. He's got a three thirty nine BABIP bab up at 51. Uh, fifty-four point one percent strand rate, and so there is some positive regression um, coming in that direction. Uh, his WOBA I think is three hundred five, and his XOB on X stats is uh, two ninety. So not tremendous for a relief pitcher, but not um, the worst in the world. And so he's the guy who I speculated on saves in the Kansas City bullpen. If you have to. Um, but as you guys mentioned, I would not recommend that only in the most precarious of save situations.
1: Yeah, I, I think I would place my chips on Hill, but I I think I would pass entirely, um, if at all possible. I think this is one of those situations where, um, you want to try and spec someplace else because there are situations around the league where, closers are going to get traded um, and the relievers behind them are of a higher quality than anybody in the Royals pen. Um, you know, El Iglesias is one that immediately comes to mind. Um, Jared Hughes has that heavy ground ball rate. He doesn't get the case, uh, but he's picked up a couple of saves in his absence. Amir Garrett is there as well. Michael Lorenzen. I think the, all those guys are better than everybody in the Kansas city bullpen. Um, San Diego, Kirby Yates, Craig Stammon. Um, even Matt Schramm potentially behind Brad hand. If he gets dealt, Um, you know, there's, there's just guys that you can find out there. Uh, Joe Jimenez is another one in Detroit. Shane green is likely gone. So I I would rather spec on the next man up in some of those other situations than try and dive in here. Okay. And uh, Hunter Strickland broke his hand, punching a door last night after he blew a save. Where are you placing your chips here? (laughs) Uh, Toby, why don't you kick us off? Um, you know,
3: I saw um, Sam Dyson's been pitching pretty well this year, actually. Um, and looking at um, you know, looking at some of his skills, they're they're decent. You know, he's a sinker ball pitcher, so the K rate's not going to be huge. But um, you know, Doug Dennis tweeted out um, that he wouldn't be surprised if he saw some um, uh, some opportunities there. Um, who I love is I love uh, Tony Watson. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at um, what Tony Watson has done this year—he's um, pitching great. Um, there's not, uh, there's a slight platoon split, but nothing huge. Pitching super well. The I mean, ERA is 187, backed up by a 173 FIP. Um, you know, he doesn't have a ridiculous strand rate for a reliever. His BABIP is 305. Uh, he's not walking, guys. I mean, everything actually looks there. Um, they've been hesitant to put him in that role, though, and so um,
2: yeah, is you know, the
3: to yeah, he he is he is the lefty. They do have Will Smith now. I, I was about to say, yeah, they've got Will Smith as well. So who is back? So I mean, if I wanted to win, then I would put uh, Watson as the as the closer. You know, if I was speculating, I guess I'd probably go you know Dyson then Watson, but. You know, in these in these situations, it's so hard because everything tells you to go with the guy who's going to get the first opportunity, but a lot of times those skills went out. So I'm going to tell you to go get Tony Watson and dream that he gets the role, and he could really be an elite, an elite closer um, for the rest of the rest of the season, or at least a little bit. Melanson's obviously there in the background. I actually haven't paid too much attention. I haven't seen that he's uh, blown up or anything like. He's that. He's been
2: pretty sharp actually. Come back, but. Has he? Yeah. Yeah. So well,
3: so maybe I'd say, I'd say. Um... What was that, Toby? I don't think we picked you up. Oh, I just said, uh, Joe was going to say something. I was just saying, go ahead, Joe.
2: Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, oh, I was, I
3: was just going to say, so maybe, you know, Melanson's got the contract. He's got the money. So maybe this is their opportunity to put him back. Um, Watson, I think has the best skills. Um and I, So um, I I would put my money on Melanson getting the saves if he's been pitching well recently.
1: Yeah, Joe, what do you think?
2: Yeah, so right, I I, I pretty much agree. I, I I I echo everything you say, Toby. Right, that um, Watson's probably got probably been the best pitcher out of the three of them so far. But since Melanson's... I mean, it's only been five innings, five and a third, I think. But um. You know, he's he's looked pretty darn good. So and the fact that he was the closer coming in or he was supposed to be the closer coming in leads me to believe that it'll be Melanson. I take Watson over Dyson. I don't really have a lot of faith in in Sam Dyson. So that'd be my order.
1: Yeah, I I share that. I I go Melanson, Watson, Dyson. Um, You know, I could see Watson getting the first op. But I think Mo Lanson is the guy that's going to seize the role now. He's got the contract. He's come back. He's been pretty good, um, you know, in terms of K rate, in terms of walks. Um, I, I was a little surprised that his, his fly ball profile is um, a little higher than it normally is. And that could lead to some problems, maybe some homers. But, you know, it, it, normally that's the, the contract rules when it comes to this, unless somebody has already seized the role, uh, which was Strickland. Um, now I think they'll go back to the guy they originally wanted to have the job, which is Melanson. Okay, we're going to go around the diamond now, and we're going to kick it off with the guy we already talked about very briefly, John Hicks, primary beneficiary of the Miguel Cabrera injury. Hicks looks like the favorite to receive everyday at-bats for the Tigers. Of course, he's got catcher eligibility in most formats. Does his volume and skill set make him a top 10 catcher the rest of the way? Joe, kick us off.
2: Yeah, he's already a top 10 catcher, which speaks volumes to how poor the position has been. Um, more zone contact has helped. Um, the strikeouts might limit his batting average the rest of the way, despite his ability uh, in his career. And I think 400 at bats to generate pretty solid bat bips. Um He doesn't have... He doesn't have to do much more to stay within the top 10. So, yes, this is a, a, a resounding yes for me that he'll be a top 10 catcher the rest of the way. Even though I think he's pretty hot right now and he might regress a little bit. Um, but even still, the, the the position's so poor that, yeah, I think he's a top 10 catcher.
1: Okay, Toby, what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I, I agree with Joe, um, uh, to the T, all of those things he said, he already is actually a top 10 catcher, uh, according to the ESPN player Rater and, um, some other rankings. So, um, you know, I think he's definitely a guy you want and volume that the position is so scarce, as Joe mentioned, you, you know, those plate appearances are going to be invaluable. He's a guy who, who I was targeting and some of my leagues, like the, uh, TGFBI league, um, but I don't have a ton of fab, so I wasn't able to uh, compete there. Um, he does have a volatile profile. Um, you know, he's got poor plate discipline. Um, his his O swing, his chase rate is at forty percent, and a low contact rate at seventy percent. So about six or seven percent below average. Uh, Joe mentioned this. He may be due for some regression. He's got a two eighty eight batting average right now. X stats has his expected average at two fifty eight, um, which again is not terrible for a catcher if you're if you're going to get those counting stats um you know i was a little surprised and digging in a little bit you know for some reason i thought of him as more of a power guy but um right now his current pace is 16 home runs which again very good for for a catcher um uh as somebody who has you know some james mccann shares i would love it if he were to reach 16 home runs this year i don't think it's going to happen um but, um, the one thing I, the one note of caution that I'd say is that volatile profile has been getting worse. So his O swing is up to 43% over his last 20 games. His hard hit rate, which has been, um, up overall this season, um, is down to 28.6% over his last 20 games. And his five ball percentage is also down. So it could just be a blip on the radar, but the skills right now are, are, are headed in the wrong direction. And so hopefully he can kind of come back. Um, and and rebound, the skills will rebound. But, you know, still, this guy's a top 10 catcher because he's going to get 500 plate appearances probably this year.
1: Yeah. And I would agree with you guys. I mean, there's enough there for Hicks to be, you know, about a 260, 265 hitter with close to 20 homer pop on every day at bats in the middle of a lineup. Uh, you know, that's going to be enough in this environment to finish as a top 10 catcher. Um there's certainly some K rate downside. The swing strike rate is uh over 16%. But catcher's a low bar. I mean, even if he's even if you see that average dip down to 250 240, um with the sort of pop he has, the role he has in the volume, um you know, I I don't see a way that he's not going to finish inside uh the top 10 at catcher this this season. So, I think that he's a must add. Um, you know, pretty much across the board. Um someone in your league uh, can use John Hicks. Okay, uh, let's move to Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, For those that held on, they've been treated to top-line production. Are we buying that Goldie is back, or are you considering selling him now that he's regained some value? Toby, tell us what you think.
3: Um, yeah, I, I think I'm comfortable saying that he's back. If you look at his year-over-year year numbers at this point in time, they're pretty similar. Um, his contact rate is back up where it was last year, which was really one of the primary drivers of his early season struggles in addition to hitting too many um, ground balls, particularly bad ground balls that really deflated his, uh, his BAB up and his batting average. But over the last 40 games, his contact rate is up to 76%. Um, which is where it was last year. He's chasing more pitches outside the zone, so um, you know I wouldn't be surprised if that K rate stayed stayed a little elevated compared to previous years. Uh, the one question that I have, and I am a, I am a Goldie doubter. Uh, last year I I put up a one of my bold predictions is that he wasn't going to be a top five first baseman. And then he ended up being the, the, the best first baseman. So like uh, earlier this year, I was like, I can't believe I, I was a year early, but um, the one thing that I, that I've noted, uh, I put a tweet out this off season about it, but he actually, has had a considerable dip in performance in the second half every year the last 4 years. So last year he had a 153 wrc plus in the first half, 128 in the second half. Again, you know, very good um, production but still not, you know, what what we've necessarily expected. First half of 2016 it was 141, dropped down to 124 in the second half. In 2015 it was 178, dropped down to a 144. In 2014, it was 158, dropped down to 128 in the second half. So my only question is whether, you know, he's a guy who wears down over the season. And so if that is if that is the case, you know, his batting average right now is hovering around 250, uh, at least the last I looked at it. And so if he does have some regression in the second half, I think that's going to hit him a little bit harder than it has in the past, whether that'll happen or not. I mean, this, this year has been all over the place. So uh, I'm comfortable saying like, He's back to the guy that he was. I would just put that little note of second half tends to be a dip for him in the equation.
2: I'm so angry about this because um, off the air, I had mentioned to uh, Pat and Nick that uh, Goldschmidt's zone contact percentage about a day or two into the streak. I I, I mentioned that the zone contact percentage is back up, and I said – it's coming i literally said that yes you did (laughs) confirmed the strikeouts are still up over 20 percent, so he's likely going to be prone to these streaks um but the real standout thing that i'm really uh that's really encouraging as a goldie owner and pat i know you're a goldie owner you've got some shares too is that he hit two of these home runs uh last week in chase field um, I know we're t- we're talking about minor victories right now, but he's been so bad at Chase Field. And Pat, you, I know you've, you've discussed about um, this all potentially being in his head, and I think there is some merit to that. So it's good to see that he's getting some of this production at home.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like here. He's hotter than hot, 61.2% hard contact, and a 272 WRC plus in June. The K rate. 20.3% down nearly 10% in, in June. Um, it, it's certainly an unsustainable hot streak, but Goldsmith's really brought himself back from the brink with this. Um, the thing that jumps out to me is that the velocity struggles have really dissipated. Um, we were a little concerned that he was having so much trouble with fastballs um, earlier in the year. And um, he's back up as a plus against the pitch. Um on the downside the steals still aren't there he's just 2 for 4 on the season um i expect he'll still steal a handful more um you know guys that struggled i i can't prove this so this this might just be be speculating but i i have it in my mind that when players struggle and, and and they're not going well they don't tend to run um because they're not on base that often so they don't want to get caught um, stealing the few times that they do get on base. Um, I, I think I view Goldschmidt sort of as an upgraded version of Jose Abreu. Um, so, you know, comparable power, maybe a slightly worse batting average, but I think Goldschmidt could steal, you know, seven, eight bases the rest of the way. Um, and I think that's enough to to make him a little bit better of an asset than Jose Abreu plus team context. So I view him like a top 15, 20 asset right now. Um, where do you where are you guys on him? I mean, as, in terms of ballpark, uh, Joe, where do you sit on him in terms of like an overall sort of ranking?
2: Uh, he really hasn't shifted that far down um, because right. Like, I think so much of it was that I imagine that his end-of-season numbers would be very close to where they've been. Maybe not 36 home runs, right, but around the 30 mark. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that from the start of the hot streak on, he'd be a plus. So uh, I think, you know, 15, 20 range is probably probably about right.
1: Toby, where do you sit?
3: Um overall the rest of the season um, you know if i were drafting him now uh for the rest of the season i'd probably put him in the you know third fourth round of drafts maybe um i'm not so again i put the caveat in here i'm a i don't have any issue really with goldie i just you know, and bitter about missing a
1: I just hate his guts. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, he,
3: he, seems like, he seems like he seems like a great guy, um, but um, uh, you know, he hasn't really stolen since I want to say the first half of last season. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he didn't steal a ton of bases end of last season. He's getting he's getting older. You know, stolen bases overall are are down, and so um, you know, I don't necessarily see that being a huge. Uh, part of his, his value. So I actually think that the Jose Abreu comp is actually a pretty decent one, um, you know, for rest of, rest of season, um, uh, you know, with the, with the batting average differences, I would give Goldie some, uh, bonus points for, um, you know, some counting stats, uh, because of the, the lineup he's in is better. Um, so yeah, the third, third, fourth round, um, I think moving forward, but, you know, at this point in the season, you know, you're looking at your team and you're trying to identify, um, you know, what your weaknesses are, what your strengths are, you know, either trade or identify folks, you know, in the free agent market who might be able to help you address those. So really, you know, um, you know, folks should be considering those as kind of the primary thing. And then, you know, what the overall value of the guy is important, obviously, but, um, you know, a lot of what he brings to the table is, 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 is what's critical at this juncture.
1: Okay, let's move to Ozzy Albies. Uh, Still heading for power. Albies has cooled considerably overall, though. Are we still head over heels for Albies, or are there some chinks in the armor? Uh, Joe, kick us off.
2: Pat, you want to start one off? Sure. Sure. you you kick us off. Okay. Well, my first note here is
1: from our conversation, uh, earlier this week, which was when you pointed out the struggles with sliders. So <laughs> Joe did a great job pointing out the struggles with sliders. Well, I guess that's out the window. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there there's a, there's a big correlation between Albie's performance, um, in terms of the amount of slider he's seeing and um, his performance overall, it seems as though he's really struggling with the pitch. Um, you, you do wonder if the look if the league is starting to get a book on Albie's a bit. Um, a lot of their struggles are BABIP related. Um, he's not a 145 BABIP guy. No one is. The Albie's profile reminds me a little bit of Lindor last year uh, when he started to elevate, but the BABIP was inconsistent as a result. So, I mean, if you're trading 10, 15 homers for 25, 30 points of Babbitt, Babbitt, it's probably worth it. Um, The strikeout rate is not elevated. Um, but he does need to tighten up. It could rise because he's a 43% chase rate in June. Um, so I, I would just watch to see what he does against sliders, see if he gets better, better against the pitch starts to adjust. Um, and I, and overall, I think he's going to be fine. Um, I, I think that maybe the market got a little out of control, uh, and a little head over heels at some point as it tends to do. Um, but you know, right now he's settled in about where I would have expected him to be, which is, you know, somewhere between a, top 50 top 75 top 100 asset
2: yeah i'm gonna tack on here too right and and uh, obviously right i agree with you about the breaking balls but i i think he's he's shown that he's um he he can handle the bat and he's got a, a you know he's got good instincts i know this that's not very statistical and scientific but he's got good baseball instincts um and he's just playing the cat and mouse game right now. Um, he's just got to swing back and make some adjustments, which I agree with you, Pat. I think he will do. I'm not sure. I'm not totally sure if it'll happen, uh, you know, within the next month or within the next two months. Um, it might happen late in the season. It might have to happen next year. But I think overall, um, like his his major league outlook is good. And he's he's an advanced enough hitter that he'll make those adjustments at some point.
3: We? yeah i mean and what's nuts is he's so young <laughs> exactly you know, and um it's just remarkable what he's been doing you guys mentioned a lot of what i was going to say i mean the the chase rate is a is a concern um that pat mentioned that 43 percent number in june he's been able to maintain the um uh the contact um rate uh, with that um uh and his uh, hard hit rate and his fly ball rate are actually trending up over the last 20 games um Uh, Pat also mentioned the BABIP. It's 143 in June, and he's batting 145 in June. Um, According to Baseball Savant's uh, expected batting average metric, he should be at 235 for the month, and he's been able to maintain a low K rate during that time as well. And the batted ball profile actually looks pretty nice. It's um, uh, 20% line drives, 38% ground balls, 42% high ball, which is which is pretty good. Um, if you look at it, just his overall balls in play for the season though, he's hitting too many poor ground balls and too many pop-ups. And I think that comes from what you guys were mentioning before, kind of the aggressiveness, chasing pitches outside of the zone. Um, you know, but what's remarkable is you look at the, all the major projection systems and they essentially have him finishing the season as a 250 guy with 100 runs, 25 home runs, 80 RBIs and 15 stolen bases which you know is 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 elite production. So Um, I think, you know, he's, he's awesome. Um, He's definitely going through some struggles. Uh, He'll probably continue to struggle a little bit. I don't think he's going to replicate those first two months of the season, but when all is said and done, I mean, you got yourself a a five category four category contributor and five by five Roto, which is, which is brilliant.
1: Okay. Let's move to Anthony Rendon. Rendon's line has been lacking thus far, but with the Nats lineup rounding into form, are you buying him? Joe, kick this one off, and do not kick it back to me.
2: I'd just like to mention how nice this podcast is. We're all agreeing; we're just so friendly on this podcast <laughs> without Nick. <laughs> this
3: is what happens when you got like all these smart people together? You know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, get rid of that loser. <laughs> I, I, I don't know him, so
3: that wasn't a that wasn't a uh, implication of his intelligence. I so know him, it, and he's it, a loser.
2: It's okay, we take shots at Nick whenever we can. So anyway, <laughs> so on Rendon, um so I don't think I'm buying him per se, um, despite the elite contact skills which are still there. I think that foot injury earlier in the season uh, might still be bothering him uh, more than we might giving him credit for everything looks right in line with his career averages. So it, it, it's questionable why he struggled so much and he still rates out for around a 20, 20 home runs, but the BAPIP is the big thing. And that's 30 points lower than his career. And I think that might be tied to the foot injury earlier this year.
3: <laughs> Toby, what do you think? I think we have our first disagreement. Okay. Oh, there I told we go. I absolutely love Rendon for the rest of the season. I was digging into his profile, um, and you know, oftentimes when I do tweets, it's like I'll do a twenty game at least. In that, at this point in the season, I'll do like a twenty game rolling average of where um, folks' skills are, and I think it's a pretty good indication of guys who are kind of putting it to putting it together at least under the under the hood, and whose production may increase in the future. And Rendon is like the prime example. So. His batting average right now is 263. His expected average according to xStats, based on his balls in play is 286, making him one of the unluckier players this season. He only has six home runs, but he has 10.4 expected home runs. So you're talking about, um, you know, uh, decent power that he's that he's shown so far. He has, just hasn't produced home runs quite yet. Um, and then if you actually look at his batted bro- ball profile this year – Um, He's got a 5% increase in hard drives, which is kind of the best type of batted ball that uh, xstats.org categorizes. It's kind of your high line drives, uh, low fly balls that tend to be kind of home runs, extra base hits. It's up 5% um, from last year, which is great. And it's coming out of the right places. So his fly ball percentage, which is, you know, uh, okay fly balls, but not great ones pop up percentage and his uh, dribbler percentage are all down. And then if you look at his 20 games skills, his contact rate is at 93% over his last wow. 20 games. His hard hit rate is at 42%. League average this year is like 34 35%. And his ground ball rate is at 30.2%. And he's always been super good at hitting a very few uh, ground balls. That's one of the metrics that I like to look at. Like Instead of looking at fly ball percentage, like look at what percentage of their balls are actually on the ground versus elevated. And it's, it's looking really good. So I don't want to say that Rendon is going to go on a hot streak similar to this time last year, but I'm going to say that Rendon over the next month or so is going to put up some pretty elite numbers. And he's a guy in trading leagues that I would be looking to target because I do think his value has dipped considerably since the off season And, you know, the one the one concern that I do have, and and this goes to Joe's point about the injury potentially, is that the stolen bases aren't there this year. And that's that's been a decent part of his value. So I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, plan on those. um, But, um, you know, I I see I see a profile that I really, really like over the next month or two, particularly with the lineup getting healthy.
2: Toby, let me ask you something. Sorry, Pat, before you go. Right, if if Rendon isn't stealing bases, then right you, the, the the correct me if I'm wrong, right? But the, the outlook that you have for him the rest of the season is sort of Castellano is Castellano esque, right? Like twenty twenty five <laughs> Castellano one Cast- I like that. I like that. Like twenty five not- or so yeah. home runs and like a three ten or so average.
3: Yeah. You know, he's at six home runs right now. So, uh, getting to the 25 may be challenging, but if we're moving forward, like I'd expect him to get to to 20 home runs, um, uh, end of season, if not more, maybe 25 is kind of like a cap. I think the batting average is where you're going to see him. Uh, I think you'll see a 300 batting average, uh, moving forward this year with that elite contact rate and how he's driving the ball. I think, um, that's that, that, uh, that has the makings of, of, a, of a really high average. And then he's also, um, you know, his, his chase rate is actually worse, I think, this year than it was last year. I'm remembering um, last year, and he's actually hasn't been improving that too much. But um, I think with him coming back, with, with um, you know, Murphy coming back to the lineup, Eaton coming back to the lineup, these high OBP guys, He's a guy that I'd actually be tar- targeting as kind of a sneaky RBI pick. I don't know if he counts as sneaky since he had a hundred last year, but he's a guy I think you'll see a ton of a ton of counting stats um from I think you'll see a decent amount of home runs. Uh let's say fifteen moving forward and a three hundred batting average, which, you know, I think um is castite Castellano esque,
1: but maybe a little
2: castle.
1: I, I like Castellano Castellano on. Castellano in.
2: We're struggling. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great
3: point though. I like that. I like that comp.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think I'm on, I think I'm on Toby's side here. Uh, the skills do look solid, you know, 16% K rate, 10% walk rate, uh solid line drive rate. He's elevating the ball. Well, the hard contact looks good. Um, the one thing that I, I am a little bit concerned about is that he seems to be struggling with fastballs, um, at least on a full year basis. And he really crushed them last year. Um, you know, I'm willing to chalk that up to him just being in a slump at this point, uh, because there's nothing really out of the norm. Um, you know, if you remember last year, he had that three homer game in cores and, you know, everything just kind of took off from there. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he runs a stretch of games where, uh, you know, he just goes out of his mind and is, you know, back where you might have expected him to be aside from the steals, um, you know, within, you know, a week or two, I could see like a, a mini Goldschmidt streak from him, um, you know, coming up shortly. Uh, and I, and I would buy because this is a, this is a player that's going into a, that's going to be in the center of a lineup that's, Got a lot of talent in it and is getting a lot of talent back, um, so I, I think he's going to be a, a good run producer as well. I mean, the steals are, are whatever. I mean, if, if I mean, what were you expecting anyway? You were expecting maybe twelve. Um, you know, I, I can I can live with the fact that he's going to be in the single digits there um, the rest of the way and just take the uh, batting average, the run production, and yeah, I would expect about somewhere between. You know, twelve and fifteen homers the rest of the way, and I'll bank that. That's good. All right. So, just uh, just to compare where we are on Rendon, would you guys rather have Rendon or the man of the moment, Max Muncie, Joe?
2: Uh, so I think this is tough and close, but I think Rendon because I feel much safer that the batting average will be there. Toby. Toby
3: yeah I uh we're gonna agree on that one um we're we're back in agreement um
2: I'm <laughs> Dune,
3: Rendon don't get me wrong I love Max Muncy like yeah um watching his at bats the last few weeks has been a thing of beauty there was a stretch like of a week there where he and Jose Martinez were just on fire and like you would watch the at bats that they were putting up and like just, they were just managing the strike zone so well. Everything that was in the strike zone was just getting crushed and being hit in the air. And it was just wonderful to watch. I think Muncie's skills, they're all there for him to continue what he's doing. But without the kind of track record that Rendon has, um, you know, and knowing that, you know, he's probably not, I'm not somebody who just like sees a home run for a five ball percentage and says that can't happen. Like Muncie's hitting a ton of barrels. He's hitting the ball hard mm-hmm. in the air. There's no doubt about that. But, it's just hard to sustain that and it's hard to believe in that more than Rendon having not seen that for a full season and knowing that major league pitchers are really good and they're going to try to find a ways to beat you. So I definitely think I'd, I'd, I'd lean Rendon in that situation, but it's not a knock on Muncie at all. It's more a uh, an acknowledgement that the best indicator of future performance <laughs> is past performance and knowing how well Rendon has been. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm actually going to go Muncie here. Um, I do think it's a need-based thing. Um, Muncie is obviously going to have, you know, shortly – he already has very good eligibility, but he's, I think he's on the verge of adding second base in some formats, which would give him first, second, third, and outfield. Um I think I would rather have that because I think they're fairly close. Um, you know, Muncie's is going to have the pop advantage, I think, going forward. Um, I think the profile is such that it's going to produce um, the power throughout. Uh, he also is walking, you know, at like a 16, 17% clip. I think he had a three walk game today, too. So that's probably a little higher now. Um, so you know, OBP as well. I, I might, I might side with Muncy. Uh, Rendon is going to be the better bet for the average. Um, the run production I think could be pretty similar because Muncy seems as though he's kind of solidified himself, um, in the top half of that lineup. So, you know, Rendon might be the RBI guy, but Muncy might be uh, a better bet for runs. And, um, you know, uh, with, with Rendon, I, you know, you you just have the one position. So I, I think I would rather have Muncie overall, but I do agree it's very close. And then what about Rendon or Ryan Healy?
2: It's Rendon. Easy, I think, this this time for me. Agree.
1: Yeah, agreed. You know, Healy's outclassed here. Rendon has much better discipline and patience. Healy might have a little more pop, but unlike Muncie, he can't take the walk. Yep. okay, Trey Turner, we touched on him last week, but it's time for a deeper dive. The category juice has been there um you know he's got he's got seven homers he's got 20 steals but he's just sixth overall at the shortstop position which has become kind of top heavy. do you think Turner can live up to the draft hype? Toby kick us off. Um,
3: you know, I had been in here and I went um Turner obviously for the stolen bases. There's
1: where was it? Where was it you picked? Uh, third. Oh, okay. All right. Third. Go ahead. Yeah. You just broke up a little bit. Okay. Uh,
3: yeah, I I, I selected third. I, I probably should have gone Mookie, but um, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Um, so, uh, you know, the thing about him is his his uh, his profile has stayed remarkably consistent this year. Like, if you look at his profile from last year compared to this year, the major change is really with Babbitt. Everything else is pretty similar. He's getting, um, you know, he's earning those home runs, the seven home runs. Um, the major change is how frequently he's stealing. Last year, he actually, his stolen base rate last year, I did uh, some Z scores over the off season and his stolen base rate was literally the uh, best skill in baseball or the most elite skill in baseball last year. It was like five standard deviations above the mean or something like that. Um, But he was stealing on uh, 10.3% of his um, plate appearances last year. This year, it's dropped down to 6.4%. And I initially was like, oh, well, you know, that's probably because the Nats aren't stealing as much. Dusty Baker is gone, but the Nats are actually stealing more this year than they did last year. Uh, it's just Michael Taylor who's, <laughs> who's, uh, who's, who's stealing the bases. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with Turner batting leadoff, um, And, you know, with the guys that they have behind him, you know, not needing the stolen base as much. And so I don't think he's going to return the value that folks were expecting only because i think if he continues to bat lead off they're not going to give him the green light as much as they would um otherwise i think all the other skills you know i'm fine with they look good i think the average is going to increase a little bit i think the babbitt will um uh will go up um here and you'll probably see him batting around 280 when the when the season is over i think the obp the walk percentage is going to come down a little bit he's got the same chase rate as he did last year but with a Um, uh, elevated walk rate. And so I think you're seeing about the guy that you're going to get, and it's not something that's going to destroy you, right? It's not going to lose you a season, but it's not going to be that number one uh, player that we were all hoping for when we, uh, you know, that 60 stolen base, Trey Turner, um, that I think uh, we were
1: expecting. Joe, he got you again. I
2: know. So, <laughs> so Toby, I mean, man, we're we're like in agreement, man. So uh, I just want to tack on one thing about those stolen bases, um, and I'm just showing off here, right? So if you take uh, his stolen base, his stolen bases, and his uh, cost stealing, so total stolen base stolen base attempts, and you divide it by singles, hit by pitch, walks and intentional walks, or essentially the number of times he's been on first base, excluding errors, right? The number of times he's been on first base, you get sort of like a true stolen base st- stolen base attempt rate, right? So it's not just by plate appearances. It's about, mm-hmm. you know, if he's hitting a lot of doubles, then he obviously isn't going to probably be stealing as often. So anyway, so over the course of the past three years, Turner's stole, true stolen base attempt, if we call it that, <laughs> Uh, that rate has gone from 45.8%, 49.0% last year, all the way down to 24.4%. So the outlier is obviously this year, and you highlighted this, he's just attempting stolen bases at a whole lot less pace than he was last year. Um, So you paid for a player to attempt steals at double the rate at which he is now, so that's not going to really bode well for him paying off as a s as the sixth overall player. Um, but like you mentioned, um he's still got a lot of category juice, and he's not gonna kill you. Um so in the spirit of the of this question, I think he's fine, but um hard answer, no, he's not gonna return value.
3: So so here's a question. That's a great stat, by the way. That was um that's terrific. You should tweet, you should tweet that out, Joe. <laughs> uh, uh, people would be all over that. Um, it's, it's great. Um, but here's a question. Would you rather have Trey Turner in his current role as the leadoff hitter with access to those counting stats and hitting at the top of the lineup, or would you rather have him batting six like he was at the beginning of the season and getting those stolen bases?
2: Oh, yeah. Without a doubt, I'd rather have him at first because I predicted Adam Eaton to have a billion runs by the end of the year. <laughs> so now Trey Turner is going to have like five hundred million runs.
1: Yeah, Which yeah, was- that was something. Oh god,
2: ahead.
3: go
1: ahead. Oh no, I was just going to laugh. What's surprising is um he doesn't have that many runs.
2: <laughs> I know
1: <laughs> that was what I was just about to say. Like the the run production pace is is approximately one fifty five. Which to me is insane because when you consider the amount of time that Eaton has missed and the amount of time that Turner has spent at the top of this lineup, you would think that he would have scored a whole mess of runs. But it just goes to show you. I mean, Harper has struggled, Rendon has struggled, Murphy Murphy's hasn't not played. There. Murphy's not there, so it, it hasn't been quite the gold mine that we thought it would be. And you know, maybe that makes maybe maybe that makes the argument for Turner in that you know the rest of the way the run production will be there as these guys start to rebound um, and get healthy. And yeah, he does. He has a remarkably high floor when it comes to, you know, what he can produce because even now, I mean, he's approximately what? A 15 Homer, 45, 50 steel guy. I mean, let's, let's not pretend like that's, you know, chop liver and not worth anything. I mean, he's certainly going to be you know, like a top 60 top 50 asset by the end of the year. Uh, and that, and that might even be a little light. Um, but he, I, I don't know that he's ever going to put together this, you know, hyper elite season where he's going to be up there with, you know, the Mike Trouts of the world. Um, you know, and I think that's, I think that's where we might've been mistaken. And I think we might also have, have been a little too aggressive in terms of how we were going after speed. Um, in the draft, um, you know, uh, uh, but but that's that shouldn't count against Turner. Um, you know, he can certainly get the Babip up. Um, he's better than what he's been, but I, I think that he can be, you know, probably like a what, like a top. I, I would say I probably put him inside my top fifty. I, I think, Joe, where would you have him? I'm curious. T- Turner. Yeah,
2: he's definitely in the top fifty.
1: Well, where would you put him? I'm curious.
2: Uh, let me see. Um, he's probably still within the top twenty five. I mean, even even higher than that. The, the stolen bases, despite
1: yeah, you're right. You're right. Top fifty is a little light.
2: Despite being so despite being so less frequent, right? I, I mean, I, I still think, right? Plus think the runs. We think Rendon's going to turn around, right? Murphy's yeah. coming back at some point, and Harper can't be this bad forever. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah, he's still a, t- a top-tier player.
1: I don't know if I'd put him in top 25. I might have him, like, top 35. Toby, where are you now? I mean, as a guy that was extremely, extremely high on him to start the year, if you were redrafting today, where would you put Turner? That's the number one over my. <laughs> I believe. I believe. Um, no, uh,
3: he's uh, he's. I was just looking. He's nineteenth on the player ESPN player rater right now. Okay. Um, and so um, you know, I'd I'd say I'd have him. I'd have him top twenty. The thing is, the stolen bases have obviously gone down. Um, but they've also um, the value of each stolen base has actually gone up. Um, and I think for me, like one of the things that I like doing in drafts is to, I like to get good stolen bases. Like a lot of times we crush the rest of our categories when we get these like stolen base only guys. So he's the type of guy that I would love to target, you know, uh, next year, you know, between, you know, between 15 and 20, um, you know, uh, coming around that, that second round, um, in the 15 team league. Um, he's a guy I'd love to, love to have there. So, um, I still, I still value him highly, but you know, if, unless we see a change in the stolen base rate, I think that's
1: where you'll probably see him going in, in drafts next year. I think you're crazy. I think he's absolutely going to be inside the first round because people can't help themselves. Yeah. He's so a man. There's so many good. Like you joked about that number 1 overall, but someone's going to do it next year again. Well, someone's going to turn around and be like, "Oh, but he could steal a 70 and hit 20 homers and hit 300." He not could He's going to be really really. Good. Good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean he's
3: he's basically Starling Marte at second at at shortstop. Base. Um, yeah, I, it'll be interesting. There are so many good hitters. There are so many good hitters.
1: Yeah, and even at shortstop, I mean, is he is he he can't be your number one overall shortstop right now, right? You, do you know who the number one overall shortstop is right now? Is it Machado? No, it's got to be Lindor.
3: No. Who is it? It's Gene Segura. He's the number number three, number three overall player on the ESPN player. Again, like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just using the ESPN player. I don't know what his, his monetary value that he's returning on, you know, based on. Wow. Anything like that is. Gene. (laughs) Gene Segura. I mean, the talent is just, it's just nasty. Uh, offensively there are so it's like last year was so deep
1: and again this year it's going to be so so deep um, yeah but it does hit a cliff I, I think I, I think I remember looking at shortstop and being like oh, man once you get to like right around 10 it it, it really drops no
3: yeah no I mean uh, if you just look at shortstop I, I was looking at the overall pool uh, thinking about oh, yeah. where he might go in drafts next year He's he's nineteenth right now on the ESPN player radar. Um, yeah, it kind of hits uh, ninth. Well, although Bregman's going to lose, he's going to lose, um, he's going to lose eligibility maybe next year. Or so maybe after eight, <laughs> even seven. I mean, it depends on. I'm also a Javi Baez and Didi Gregorius. You know, i just I haven't been on that those trains for for my own detriment, but. They're guys who, you know, I can't uh, still have a hard time investing in next year.
2: Don't worry. We agree with you. Yep. Yes. So so the thing is, though, is right, like 19th overall, all that's that rings in my head that he's guaranteed to be within the top 12 next year. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, a lot of that depends on your depends on what on what site you're using too. Because I mean, I I don't remember which site I was looking at, but I think he was like 6th or 7th at shortstop and somewhere around uh, 50 or 60 overall. Um, So, you know, I mean, they all have different algorithms in terms of how they assign value to certain statistics. So ESPN might be putting a little bit more value on, on steals than another site might... Um, you know, like Fantrax like fan or, or Yahoo. Yeah, so. yeah.
2: In our in our home league, right, we uh ours is uh standard five and then OPS and he's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. He's the fourteenth shortstop. Yeah. Including OPS. And and Yahoo. Yeah. So Okay.
1: Yeah, it depends. It depends on the website, but yeah, I-, I agree. Though, I mean, if he if he puts up like fifteen homers, fifty steals, and you know hits around two seventy five at the top of that lineup, he's still going to go. He's still going to cost you a first round pick, I think. Yeah. All right, that's enough, Trey Turner. Let's move it to Michael Brantley. The off injured outfielder has been healthy and productive thus far. Are you contemplating buying back in, or is the risk still too great? Joe, kick us off.
2: Uh, I'm going to pass this off to either of you guys, so whoever wants it. It's hot. Back.
1: Toby? You oh, All right. Okay. Uh, Brantley is presently on pace for a career high in pop uh, with 11 homers before the halfway point. The added pop helps make, make up for the lost speed. He's only 3 of 5 on the bases, so that's approximately a, a 7 or 8 steal pace. Um, he's always been a very difficult player to strike out. Still is. His K rate's below 10%. Um, the BABIP is not really an issue. In fact, is BAB is running close in line with the average itself. Uh, you know, coming into the year, I thought Brantley was an underrated batting average asset, uh, jack of all trades type, master of none. I think the average is going to float around two ninety three hundred, um, and you know, as long as he's healthy, he's going to hit somewhere between. 10 to 12 homers the rest of the way. And and I think he could steal a handful of bases. And of course, he's going to put up good counting stats. Uh, This is all about the health. I'm okay with buying in, uh, provided there is some sort of discount because of his extensive injury history. I'm not going to take on all the risk. Um, So if somebody is looking to sell him, they need to be prepared to sell him, uh, baking in that injury discount.
3: Toby? Toby? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty much, uh, pretty much in in a similar place. You know, the injury risk is obviously something that you need to consider just because there's been, it's so extensive in his case. You know, there are guys, um, you know, who there's been some research done about like the injury prone tag isn't necessarily, you know, the case. A lot of it is, is bad luck. Sometimes with soft tissue injuries that that can be different. Um, you know, uh, with Brantley though, I mean, I was digging into his profile and the stats are just, the skills are just elite. I mean, um, the batting average is 320 right now. His expected batting average is 330. Um, the power is supported by the X stats um, 11 home runs, 10.3 expected home runs. Um, he's combining a career high hard hit rate and fly ball rate with the, his elite contact, and he's got very good dis- play discipline. What's crazy is over his last 20 games, it's actually better. He's got a 93% contact rate, a 48% hard hit rate, a 36% fly ball percentage, which is about league average-ish. But for him is a huge jump um, from where he has been. Um, And those are all higher than his current season highs, which are also his career highs. So... Um, there's a ton to like in that profile. So if you need batting average and you don't want to, um, you know, uh, give up too much power in doing so, I think he's a, he's a very reasonable target.
2: All right. So let's play the, uh, let's play the what's Brantley's value game. So I've got some trades here. I'm going to ask you guys uh, which side you'd rather have. So the first off is just a one for one Brantley or Rizzo.
1: Oh, Rizzo, definitely. Yeah, Rizzo for me too.
2: All right, Brantley or Greg Bird? Brantley. Brantley and Justin Turner for Strasburg. I hate, I hate, I hate
1: it when we're crossing over pitching and hitting.
2: I know, I know, but vacuum, vacuum.
1: Uh, uh, Strasburg, because elite pitching is just so few and far between, even with the injury. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I'd probably lean Strasburg too. There's only so many pitchers that can produce what, what he can. Um, and he had he had an injury last year. Strasburg did and came back on fire. So, maybe- and Turner and Brantley aren't exactly the pictures of health either. So. Yeah, and the thing with Brantley is, I mean, a lot of it is is batting average where he's generating his value, right? Like you can replace those, you can replace eleven home runs in a lineup, you can replace the counting stats. Mm -hmm. He's not stealing like he used to, so you can replace that. So, in a lot of ways, a Justin Turner from last year is like a decent comp for him, Um, you know, which is a valuable player, but not somebody who's indispensable.
1: Yeah, but the batting, but to that point, I mean, the batting average is not the most readily available asset anymore, at least in a form you can use. I mean, there's just not that many guys that hit, you know, two ninety plus. At least I feel that way. That's a great point.
2: Yeah. All right, I got I got two more, two more quick ones. Uh Brantley or Bregman?
1: Uh give me Bregman. Positional eligibility plus don't trust Brantley's health.
3: You're talking about my boy, Bregman. So I'm going Bregman.
2: Your Bregman. boy, he's my boy.
3: <laughs> Bregman's skills are are insane. They're insanely good. And he, you know, you, you look at his stats so far this year, dude's on pace for like, a, what, a 268, like 90, 20, uh, 80. 12 season and he hasn't even caught fire yet he's gonna catch fire pretty soon like oh my
2: god you're so right bregman's the best
1: <laughs>
2: all right i've got i got what i'm making up in
1: my mind right now just from guys we've talked about tonight so i'm gonna put you two on the spot all right brantley and Rendon or bregman
2: Uh oh, give me
3: the combo. Yeah, you got I think you got to go, <laughs> go go combo
1: on
2: that. I love I love Bregman. Yeah, though. me too. It's tough,
3: but
1: yeah. I mean, uh, see I think I want Bregman with the shortstop eligibility and I'll just I'll I mean, I'll live with the fact that like, you know, I've got to go get an outfielder off of the waiver wire because in most cases I can. I thought we we're operating in a vacuum here, though. Yeah, I didn't say anything
3: about a vacuum.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sam Dyson did not come up.
3: <laughs> um, what what I would uh, what I would say is like with any of these situations, obviously, like trading right now is all about what you need and like what replacement mm-hmm. value it is, right? So um, I think that's a that's a key thing to mention, just because. Like there are situations where Bregman in that deal, you might go for it. And then there are other situations where it's gold to get Rendon, um, you know, and Brantley. Um, So I really think like that would be one thing I'd say is like, don't be afraid to lose a trade at this point in the season. If you're going to get what your team needs to be successful. I think too often we worry about like, oh, well, I'm going to lose this trade or this guy has, you know, uh, less value than this other guy. It's all about context at this point. Um, or, I mean, like it's not all about context, but so much of trading is context at this point in the season.
2: Excellent point.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is an excellent point. All right, let's move to David Peralta with 14 bombs. Peralta is closing in on his career high before the halfway point of the season. Do you think Peralta's power surge is for real? Where do you have his final home run total? Joe.
2: Uh yeah, so uh, just a few weeks ago, I had it at around 18 or 20 home runs. So I, I think I probably got that one wrong. Uh, he's surging. Wrong. With, he's he's surging mostly on increased exit velo and hard hit percentage, as his launch angle isn't drastically different than uh, years past. The important thing I want to note here is that he's barreling up breaking balls at an almost 60% clip, as opposed to 1.7% last year. He had no home runs against breaking pitches last year, but he's up to seven this year. So the damage isn't coming off of fastballs, but breaking balls. And that's an extraordinarily good sign, right? That's that points to an advancement of the hitter of sorts. Um, So I'm mostly buying this as a breakout.
1: Toby, what do you think? What are you saying? Yeah, I agree. I think it's a.
3: I think it's a breakout. I don't think the power that he's demonstrated so far is necessarily going to continue. So agreed. Um, yeah, he's got he's got his 14 home runs. They come on 9.6 expected home runs, so that tells us that he's probably getting a little bit lucky. But there's a lot to like in that his um uh his hard drive rate, so the percentage of balls in play that are hard drives, those high line drives, low fly balls kind of elite contact um, it has gone up 6.2%. His barrels per plate appearance has gone up um, from uh, 3.1% last year to 5.8%. His hard hit fly ball percentage is up 9%, up to 51.8%. And he's nearly doubled his hard hit pulled fly ball percentage. So the percentage of hard hit fly balls that he hits that are pulled, which is essentially like one of the great indicators of whether, you know, of how to in- increase your home runs is to pull the ball. Um, and that's, uh, it's nearly doubled to 35% of his hard hit fly balls. So there's a lot of indicators to say, Hey, you know, um, maybe it's not, maybe he hasn't earned those 14 home runs, but he's definitely earned, you know, on pace for a career high. Um, his expected home run, uh, rate of 9.6, uh, if you kind of pace that out over 600 plate appearances, you're looking at um, 20 to 21 home runs. So that's where I'd probably put it at is, is maybe, you know, 20 to 22 home runs that he hits um, this year. Um, I, you know, there, there, um, Joe mentioned this, but there's been some really great underlying skill improvements um, that he has made. um, And a lot of those same skills are surging right now. So he's, he's clearly hot.
1: Yeah. When I first looked at Peralta, I I really thought he was a player that was just sort of adopting the, Marlon Byrd school of thinking, which is, you know, just swing harder um, because he he was trading a little bit of contact for what seemed to be what seemed to be harder contact. Um, But having dug a little deeper, you know, I I saw what Joe saw in terms of the um, changes with the with the breaking stuff and how he was, you know, basically just killing it after last year not doing much at all in terms of power against breaking stuff and off speed stuff. So I I think the change is pretty legit. I do question though um, his home to fly ball rate currently sits uh, about 25% and that's nearly double last year's and 10% above his career average. Now, while I can buy that he's made certain changes to the extent that um, you know, he's he's increased his amount of pulled fly balls, hard hit pull fly balls, um, and upped his uh, hard line drives. Um I, I just my my concern is 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 sort of what the concern I had with Didi Gregorius after his hot April start, which was, you know, is David Peralta now twice as good at at hitting home runs as he's been at any other point in his career, despite the fact that, um, you know, in in terms of overall batted ball mix, you know, he's still a ground ball heavy guy. Um, You know, is he, is he twice as good? I I don't know about that. You know, I, I think he's, Probably about a high teens guy uh, maybe he can get to twenty percent I don't think he's at twenty five percent in terms of homer to fly ball rate that's that's pretty elite that's pretty high end um but I mean I you know I, I think Toby's right I think I think we're looking at a guy that's gonna hit you know somewhere between eight to twelve homers and I understand that's kind of a big range but you know if he's expected ten um you know y- y- you kind of try and create a range of, um, you know, where, where he gets a few extra and gets lucky or, or gets a few less if he's unlucky. But I mean, the batting average is going to be solid. The, the lineup is very talented at some point they'll eventually get AJ Pollock back and then he'll go back on the DL again and then he'll come back. But <laughs> there's a lot of talent in that lineup. I, I think the run production will be pretty sound. I, I think him and Brantley are very comparable. Would you guys agree with that?
2: Yeah.
1: Do you have a preference as to who you would rather have?
2: Uh, Brantley. yeah, Brantley, because I think the 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 guy, the two guys, three guys behind them are are ridiculous right now.
1: Yeah, I'll agree. I'll give Brantley a slight edge, um, but it is definitely close between the two of them. Okay, let's move to Delano DeShields. A trend you pick at the draft table, DeShields was hurt and has struggled since returning. Are you willing to buy low or is this just a lost season? Toby, kick us off.
3: Um, I think he's a good, uh, you know, he's a guy who, um, he's got more value in OBP leagues. Uh, Obviously, he's got a great... uh, He's always had a great walk rate. Um, You know, if you need steals, he's not a bad target. Um, He's already got 15 stolen bases this year. He's on pace to do something similar to what he did last year. Um, You know, from a plate appearance perspective, um, he's stealing at about the same clip. So if he gets more plate appearances, which he's likely to do, then he'll surpass that number. So you're looking at 30 to... 40 stolen bases potentially. Walk rate is strong. His contact rate is up 3% um, from last year and, and over his career. It's up at 81.6%, which is great. Um, his problem is he's hitting 60% fly balls over the last 20 games and uh, 30% fly balls and only 10% line drives. Now, line drive percentage is a little bit is a little bit mushy, but um, you know he's not. You know, coming back from the injury, that's when we've seen this increase in ground balls, and so there's a little concern from my end about that really limiting his ability to hit for any power um, and to 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 get those line drives and and elevate the ball. Um, so, you know, if you need stolen bases, if you're in an OBP league, I think he's a much more um, he's a he's a good target because you know you're not going to find guys who can contribute like he can to steal the amount of bases that he does, who probably are valued as low as his owners are valuing him right now.
1: If that makes sense. Joe, what do you think?
2: Yeah. I, I just have a tough time getting behind the shields anymore, right? You mentioned that the, uh, the results mix with putting the the ball on the ground so much. Um, I think he's at 50% of the time or around 50%. And, and, the, the lack of line drives, just I mean, it's hard. It's hard for a guy that's putting the ball on the ground so often um, to really have such a or have any semblance of a high batting average when he's got you know very few line drives. Um, I mean, he's like the fastest dude. He's the second fastest dude in baseball behind Buxton. Um But right now, he's a se- essentially Billy Hamilton, but he can take a walk every now and then um and you mentioned that toby so I, I don't know we're we're not big billy hamilton fans here um and i i don't know i'm out on the shields
1: yeah i mean i'm not buying low unless we're talking about a flyers price um you know it's a team context thing if i need the speed if i'm desperate for it sure i'm willing to take the flyer but otherwise no Um, The BABIP is actually generous. The the ex-BABIP is well below his 289 BABIP. And DeShield's expected average is sub 200. Um, Now, you know, to some extent, I wonder how much those numbers can factor in, specifically DeShield's skill set. I mean, he's athletic. He's fast. He's got one of the highest sprint scores in baseball. So, I I mean, I I do think that sometimes, um, you know, I, I do question how much um, the the projection systems can factor that sort of skill set in. Um, so, I mean, I do expect that the Babbitt will come up a little bit, but with a K rate north of twenty percent, Shields in the best case is like a two seventy hitter, and and I think he settles around two sixty in terms of true talent. Um, you know, he can take a walk as you guys mentioned, which is good and. Yeah. That explains why he's up around fifteen steals at this point. But yeah, only only if I'm desperate, only if I need the speed, am, am I buying him?
3: Let's move to his teammates. Go ahead. Oh, the one thing I was going to say is you you made a great point, Pat, about X stats and these speed guys. Is a lot of them do out outproduce their expected stats. So the Shields last year, I think, outproduced his expected average by like. 30 plus points. And he's done that fairly consistently throughout his career. So I would, I would tack on a little bit. Um, when I look at his, uh, his expected average, uh, the one thing I'd say about, um, the shields, I think the batted bro ball profile is the major concern, but over, um, he's really displaying some elite, um, discipline recently, which is something we always wanted for Billy Hamilton, right? We all yeah. wanted him to take a walk. Um, His O swing percentage over his last 10 games is at 18.3%. His contact is surging up to, uh, it's at 83%. Um, It it peaked at 86% recently um, for a 10-game rolling average. So I think there's some things to like in that profile. But as you guys mentioned, there's certainly a a big average risk, and you've got to be able to understand you're not going to get home runs, you're not going to get RBIs. You may not even get average with this dude. So stolen bases better be pretty important to you.
1: Do either of you know how good of a defender DeShields Shields is?
2: Um, I'd imagine pretty good because he's so fast. Um, I don't. That's
1: wanna... not necessarily true. Like, Okay, so Joe, maybe you can look it up, and let me just let me just expand. Go ahead Toby, I'm sorry.
3: Oh, he's uh he was at uh, 7 defensive runs saved, which I think is a baseball prospectus metric uh last year and he's already at 9 defensive runs saved this year um as an outfielder. So, okay. pretty pretty valuable, I think.
1: All right, okay. Yeah, because my my thought was you know, when we when we talk about Hamilton, you know, Hamilton is a player that's seen a lot of volume because he's such a good defender. Um, my concern was that maybe the De shields, despite his athleticism, despite his speed was maybe not a great defender. And that's why I, I know that he's been in and out of lineup before in Texas, you know, in prior years. So if he was a, you know, a scratch defender or whatever, um, you know, the offensive profile might not be enough to get him the volume that he needs to get the numbers that he's going to get. Um, being that they're a bad team and that he's improved defensively, it might be a pretty safe bet that he's going to get the volume. So, you know, again, if you need the steals, he's, he's going to see the playing time, but you just can't expect much else. <laughs> All right, let's move it to his teammate, Shinsu Chu. Um, The Shields' teammate is putting it together. He's putting together a very solid season. Is Chu a worthwhile ad trade target since he suffers from uh, he's old and boring syndrome? Or do you think his age will catch up to him, Joe?
2: So, uh, I have a question for you both. Is there really any difference between Chu and Michael Brantley aside from... I don't know, maybe 20 points of batting average, 25 points of batting average?
3: Um, I'd say it's probably more like 50 points of batting
1: average. Okay. (laughs) All right, well, tell us why, because I'm interested. Oh, for Chu? Yeah, I would have said probably about 25 points of batting average.
3: Well, I would never say anything negative about um, Shinsu Chu. Uh, he's the, my most own. He's one of my most owned players this year. I think I've um, have him on five of my eighteen. He's a guy I've had for um, last year too, and he is uh, the love of my life because uh, <laughs> in my in my bold predictions column.
2: Last Don't tell year, your wife.
3: Uh, I, uh, I I won't. Um, uh, so he um he was the one bold prediction that I got right because I said that he would outperform. He was going at like two thirty ADP and I uh, and I said he'd outperform uh, Rubenade Odor, who was going at 39, and he did that. And so my bold prediction this year, because Odor was going at 100, and Chu was going at like 230 again, was that Chu was going to outperform him uh, once again. Um, the reason why I said the average is just, you know, if you look at the expected average, Brantley's at 330. Is, is actually outperforming his expected average. I think it's somewhere around like 258 or so. He's probably a 250 to 260 hitter, I think, at this point uh, of time in his, um, in his career. But I, absolute, I absolutely love Shinsu Chu. I mean, he's got incredible plate discipline. He's always at or below like 20% uh, chase rate, which is elite. Um, over his last 20 games, he's got league average contact. He's hitting the ball at a 52.9% hard hit rate. And his five ball percentage is over forty percent, which is huge for him because it's normally in like the mid, the mid twenties. He a guy. He's one of these guys who just has an excellent plate at their uh, uh, approach at the plate. Uh, he's a joy to watch, and he's. I really think he's somebody who is kind of um, because of that approach. He's been able to make some changes to elevate the ball a little bit more regularly, um, and to make a little bit more. Um, solid contact. So he's a guy I love. If you have him on your teams, you absolutely love him because you just stick him in there. And at the end of the season, you know you're going to get 20 home runs, 80 runs, 80 RBIs, batting average that isn't going to hurt you. And previously, maybe not this year, but previously you could count on 10 stolen bases too. So I absolutely 100% love Shin Su Chu and everything he's doing, I love it.
1: Joe.
2: Oh uh, yeah, I mean, uh, my take is really like that. I I think I, I'm not sure. I don't think the batting average difference is going to be that large. I don't think Brandley is going to be the 330 hitter that the X stats are expecting. I think will probably be around 300, and then I think Chu can settle in around like two two seventy ish. So maybe it's closer to 30, not 25. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm on, I'm on board, and he does definitely suffer from old and boring because um, he is old and he is boring. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily target him in trades. Um, I mean, it depends on what what sort of value uh, we're looking at in return. But if I if I did pick him up, I mean, he was essentially free. Toby, you mentioned that he what was it two fifty or two two hundred plus ADP. Or, um so he's essentially free and he's definitely provided tons of value especially in on base on base league so um i'm with you on the love fest for the most part
1: yeah chu has put together another very solid year so far um after a couple of years spoiled by injuries uh 274 384 459 slash 12 bombs two steals and close to a 100 run base and there's nothing particularly you know that, that that stands out that makes me think it's not going to continue the hard contact as Toby mentions of forty five point two percent that's great. Um, he's always been a good authority guy. Uh, his infield fly ball percentage is three point three percent, two point six for his career. So I mean you know when he's putting the ball in play it's 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 not an automatic out. He's got a great eye at the plate. Um, you know the chase rate is you know in elite territory. The contact has started to dissolve a little bit. He's trending down for the second consecutive year. He's now at 75% overall. Uh, that is not a problem yet, but that indicates to me that the bat is starting to slow down a little bit. And we could see the cliff come, you know, maybe next year. Um, he definitely does suffer from being old and boring. Um, he he might be the most affordable of the Brantley Peralta trifecta. Um, so, I mean, I, I asked you guys about Brantley and Peralta. Where are you in terms of the three of them? Is is Brantley sitting atop the heap for you guys still, or does Chu change the math?
2: Uh, yeah, it's still Brantley.
3: Yeah, it pains me to say it, but if I were to rank them, I'd go Brantley, Chu, and then, um,
1: uh, and then Peralta.
2: I'm probably on Brantley Peralta Chew. But like they're all really close.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing as Joe. I think I have Chu last, but it's it's not a slate. I think that they're just very similar players and but Chu definitely has the worst situation and it's going to get worse. Um, you know, Beltre is gonna get traded. Um You know, anything else that's not nailed down is going to get dealt from Texas, probably. So uh, I, I I don't know that I feel confident that he's going to have the supporting cast to keep up with the other two. Okay, let's move to Mike Clevenger. Clevenger has been extremely productive this season. What are you seeing in his performance? Is it sustainable? And where is he among the SP crowd? Joe, give us your take on Mike Clevenger.
2: Sure. So uh, the improvement in Clevenger is all about the changeup. The ISO, WOBA, batting average, slugging percentage, almost every measurable statistic against the changeup has gone down from last year in a good way. Um, The thing to note is the whiff rate has dropped dramatically, too, from 18% to 12%. Um, And the only thing I, I really saw is that he changed his horizontal arm slot. For the slider and the changeup, so I wonder if batters are just seeing the ball differently from his arm and just frankly struggling to hit it um, as well and with as much authority as years past. Um, So it's 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 really all tied to the changeup. And I I mean, they've they've worked wonders in Cleveland with Bauer and Carrasco in the past. Um, So I'm hard pressed to to be against Clevenger going forward.
1: Toby, what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, um, uh, I agree with a lot of Joe's analysis. I think um, I was wrong about Clevenger headed into the season. I really saw him
2: coming off.
3: I, I thought yeah, me the too. Guy who was um, who would, that the skills didn't support uh, necessarily what he was doing? They didn't support the K percentage. They also didn't support the walk percentage. I thought it was a little elevated last year, but he was getting hit hard, and a lot of his skills were really going down. Um but this year, I mean, he seems to have earned what he's um what he's doing. He has a 275 XOBA um through Xtats, so the batted balls have not been the issue that they were last year, you know, so he hasn't had to rely really on on getting luck. There's nothing out of whack there. I do think that you're, you know, while I do think he's gonna be good moving forward, I do think that you're gonna see the um you know, he's been kind of unlucky. Like his cape, his K percentage um Compared to his K per nine, I think is, um, uh, is pretty high for the, the low K per nine that he has. But, um, I think you're going to see the K percentage go down. He started throwing his fastball, um, more recently, um, increasing it up to 54, 54%, um, of his pitches in the last five starts. And during the same time period, his clean strike rate has dropped down to 10.7%. Um, I think it's in the 12% range, um, for overall for the year. And so that's about league average. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that K percentage uh, trickle down a, a couple notches um, if you continue that. But as Joe mentioned, he's in a really good situation in Cleveland. They know how to work around not great fastballs there. Um, so I think you're looking at a guy who's like three to three point five DRA, a decent whip, um, decent, you know, decent K percentage. So, you know, the type of guy who's not going to, not going to wow you necessarily, but he's he's the type of guy you need a couple of those on your on your staff if you're going to be successful.
2: Joe. Oh, I already talked about closure.
1: Oh, you don't have anything to add?
2: Oh no. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, the K's are down. I I, I thought. That was a little surprising since what I've seen Clevenger. He's looked good and has the results. I, I think the K rate is a little fluky. Uh, he's still got an 11.3% swinging strike rate. Um, you know, I, I, I think that indicates to me that the K rate should go up a little bit. Um, he's currently sitting below eight per nine. Um, the pitch mix is good. Uh, change, slider have been very effective. He's also done a nice job of getting ahead hitters. Um, there's nothing glaring for me in the batted ball data. A few more grounders and flies, the hard contact, soft contact is fine, but not special. Um, you know, I, I think Plovenger like a mid three ZRA guy. Um, and you combine that with what I think will be an uptick in the strikeouts and the upside that comes from pitching for a good team in a bad division. Um, I, I think that, you know, he's definitely going to return value for people that were on him, um, you know, and, you know I, frankly I was wrong about him I, but a lot of my issues with him were were about the control and that's definitely rebounded this year. Okay Alex Wood, what is it a rough patch and is the velo- is the velocity catching up to him or is it just bad luck? Are you trying to buy Toby, give us your take. Um, I think overall
3: Wood's numbers are solid but he's really um as you mentioned he's struggled recently and he's really earned those. So if you look over his last month, his expected WOBA through baseball savant is 388, which 320-ish is league average. And then when you talk about fantasy relevancy, you know it's even lower than that. So he's been really bad. Um, and you can tell when he's doing well because he, he'll have a high hop, uh, soft hit rate um, and a high ground ball rate. And over his last five starts, his ground ball rate is down to 37%, which is very low for him. His hard hit rate is up at 47.4%, Ouch. and his soft hit wow. rate is at 7.9%, which is the same batted ball profile that Joey Votto has over the same stretch. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's not super. That's cool. awesome. Um, his O-swing has also dropped. He normally has a pretty elite O-swing, but it's down to 31.8%. And his uh, his swinging strike rate is holding steady at about eleven percent. What's weird is his velocity has actually gone up recently. So he was in the mid kind of ninety to ninety one. He's been ninety one to ninety two in, in the last couple starts. But um, in digging in a little dip deeper, it seems like one of the major issues is his changeup. His changeup has not been as effective as it had uh, as usual this year, which has resulted in a much larger platoon split, split against righties than he normally has. Um, and so I think um, that's a lot of data, but essentially what I would say is, you know, the, the good for Wood for, for Alex Wood was earlier in the season. He's not a guy I'd be looking to buy right now because um, I just see some skill deterioration. I see some batted ball profile issues that lead me to believe that this may not be... Um something that he um that he's on the road to fixing
2: yeah the only thing i'd add to that is um the the results year over year have gotten worse against his sinker as he's lost the velocity um so uh, i don't know it's hard for me to really like wood, especially when he's struggling right now um he's you know, four a four two two ERA isn't that much higher than it was in sixteen and fifteen when he was really on with you know a three point seven three ERA and a three point eight four ERA. And now with the drop dropped VO, it's conceivable but it's conceivable that this is the pitcher he is now. So Pat, what do you what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I definitely think it's got something to do with the velocity um from you know this year compared to last year. Um, that, but that doesn't necessarily mean I think he's going to be bad. Uh, he's certainly been struggling with the homers, um, but that's something that can come and go for him and for pitchers in general. Uh, the grounders haven't been there recently. It was 48% grounders through May 15th. It's been way down since, as Toby mentioned. Um, I think that Wood will rebound. I, I, I just have a feeling that this is, uh got something to do with command. Uh, you know, It might be a tweak away. Um, the swinging strike rate has not eroded the control is still relatively good um, the situation is good nl good park good team on paper um I, I i i'm optimistic that he'll figure it out and get it turned around um so you know count me as a buyer as someone who's interested in you know wood as like a mid3 ERA guy because i think he can still be that all right, Seth Lugo. Lugo has had a productive year in the pen. What do you make of him as a starter? Are you buying that the skills will translate? Joe, kick us off.
2: Uh, so for the most part, no. Um, right? He he sat around 95, uh, hitting hitting up to 97 miles an hour with the fastball um, When uh, when he was in the pen. And uh, over, over the last three games, it's been 93, 95, 95. So it's not a significant drop, but um, there's still a bit of a velo drop when he's starting. We've also seen it before um, that he's just been kind of like a mediocre starting pitcher um, in 101 innings last year. So uh, I'm going to go with a no, I'm not buying.
3: Toby where are you um, I am in a similar place before before I cover Lugo though I just want to share something with you guys um, I'm a big Fernando Rodney fan and uh, today he had to face uh, Mookie Betts Andrew Benintendi Xander Bogarts and JD Martinez in the game and <laughs> he struck out Betts Benintendi and Martinez he gave up a single to Xander but that is uh just, no one's perfect i wanted i wanted to share that because that that has me really uh, <laughs> excited. i just traded for him um, so, um anyway, so lugo i think what joe said is right on um i'm not really buying him necessarily as a starter like i think he's useful but i don't think he's gonna i don't think the bullpen will translate joe mentioned this his average velocity in his two starts is at 94.3 miles per hour which is uh, you know, about a mile lower than he was as a reliever. I'd anticipate that that will probably, um, continue to fall a little bit. Um, you know, but that'll be something that I think is really worth monitoring. And, and I think it's important just to, to note that in the context of some of his, you know, off speed stuff like his curve and how it might limit the effectiveness there. Um, you know, he's obviously looked good as a starter. Um, what I'd say is I think you'll, I'd expect something similar to what we've seen in the past from him with maybe a slight improvement. So like around a four ERA, uh, with a K per nine hovering around eight or so, so useful, like a guy you're going to use in, you know, in good matchups, sit against, uh, some of the better matchups or some of the worst matchups, but, um, not, not, not what we've seen so far.
2: Actually, you know what, the more I look though, the velocity is up, right? Even, even, even though it's down uh, as a reliever, it's up overall as a starter, and it looks like he's made some definite changes to the release point. So there might be actually a little bit more here than I, I initially gave credit for. Um, you took I the still,
1: words out of my mouth.
2: I still, I still don't know if I'm like in right, but he's definitely made some changes. So he's, you know, if he's not scooped up, he's worth monitoring, and if he's scooped up, I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't be trading for him, but um, if he's if he's on the wire, I think he's like a, a kind of wait and see guy. Like maybe another two or three starts, and if he's still stringing it along together, uh, then you might want to add him.
1: Yeah, I'm intrigued, and and it's for the reason that you mentioned, Joe. It's that the the velocity hasn't kept all the way. But he's he's definitely I think up at least a tick and a half from where he was last year as a starter, um, and he's also throwing his curveball more. And the curveball has always been the the pitch that people have looked to that that is special for Lugo. That's that has a chance to be um, you know a, a borderline elite pitch, um, and and if he's carrying some of that velo gain he i think it's more likely he'll be able to carry the swinging strike rate uh going forward and therefore keep some of the case that he's gained um so i mean we see a few of these guys every year go from a you know multi-inning reliever into the rotation um keep some of that velocity and have some success now yeah the most likely outcome is is that Lugo's goes like a you know 7.8 K per nine, eight K per nine guy with around a four ERA. Um, but I mean, I think in, I think in the best case, he can keep some of these gains and, and be a little bit more than that. And if he is a little bit more than that, suddenly you're talking about like a three, seven ERA, eight and a half K per nine guy. And and that's mixed league relevant. So, I mean, and, and to your point, Joe, I mean, like, you, I don't know how realistic it is to sit around and wait on Lugo. I mean, I know there are leagues where pitchers go on and off the wire constantly um, and streaming candidates are ample and, you know, you can do that. Um, I don't personally play in any leagues like that. Um, so, you know, I tend to be a little bit more aggressive when I see a pitcher that has a, uh, a promising skill set and i mean what i basically just described is a pitcher that you know could be upwards of the top 50 starting pitcher um you know at a 370 ra with about an eight and a half k per nine that's that's sort of the line i have in my mind um you know and but that kind of upside i want to say even though it's sort of you know the line that you would associate with the high floor, uh, it's intriguing enough that I that I might you know place a dollar or two on him, grab him, hold him on my bench, and, and see if this holds. I mean, his next start is in Colorado, so I mean, even if he's owned right now, chances are he's going to be unowned after his Colorado start, which I assume will not go well. Um, mm-hmm. So you know it's it's prime time to keep an eye on him, see what he does in Colorado, see where the velo is, and if he's out there on the wire, then maybe it's time to scoop him, and and see where it goes from there. No, no, what's an interesting comp is
3: um, is Jordan Lyles. You know he he was in the bullpen earlier this year with the Padres, and he was throwing gas. He was looking great, and he had that new—I uh, don't know if it's new—but he had a dominant curveball. But then I think the the challenge is whether you can keep that up once you once you get into the to the rotation because his his velocity started to dip a little bit, and that curveball becomes less effective. Like I look at Lugo, and and you know in the bullpen he had a ten point six percent swinging strike rate, and that's that's like league average. So you know does that. Um, does that hold? Does that go down closer to what he's been in the past? I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting when these guys transition, like we're going to talk about Domingo Herman later, but you know, it's a similar situation where you have somebody who transitions to the bullpen and what's that adjustment like?
1: Yeah, it is. And, you know, to your point about the swing strike rate too, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you know, I'm always under the impression that generally, and, you know, I say that as there are, of course, exceptions to the rule, but generally curveball guys tend to be, um, guys that are capable of exceeding their swinging strike rate in terms of their K rate because they tend to be called strike guys. No.
3: Um, that's a good question. I actually don't know that. That would be super interesting, um, to look at, you know, um, uh, Alex Chamberlain at fan he did a great piece earlier in the year on, um, on swinging strike rates for different pitches, um, which was great. And so it would be interesting. I don't think there's information on it in there, but that would definitely be an interesting, um, you know, research topic. Um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting.
1: I forget it. I forget Joe, because I think we were talking about it at some point and I think it might've been Drew Pomerantz that we were discussing. Um, but yeah, I've always been under that impression that curveballers tend to tend to get more swinging strike, get more called strikes rather um, than swinging strikes. Okay, uh, that moves it to Bat to Madison Bumgarner. That's how, <laughs> how tired I am at this point. Madison Bumgarner results have been poor since he came back. Is there something to be concerned about here, Toby? Kick us off. Um. Yeah, it's been an uninspiring start. You
3: know, he's averaging 91.3 miles per hour on his fastball, which is, which is okay. Um, it's not as bad as right after his injury last year, but it's not where he was at his peak, which was like, uh, you know, uh, 2015 was the last time his fastball was like 92, 93. I think the most concerning parts for me his swinging strike rate. Again, very small sample size, but it's 7%, which is super low. And his O swing percent is also down. Um, You know, and and even more concerning, and again, right, this is like his spring training, so you don't know if it's going to hold, but his first pitch strike is um, down considerably, as is his zone percentage. His zone percentage is actually under 40%. um, And so that's a problem, and then hitters are also making really good contact. So I think if you own him, you know, there's not much you can do with him at this point. So you're hoping this is kind of his spring training and that he's going to adjust and he's going to get better. Um, but I think looking at the, you know, kind of continued velocity, uh, not the velocity, not returning, uh, you know, what I would say is more likely is that the end of 2017 is kind of the mad bum you're going to get. So like a 3.5 ish ERA, you know, an okay whip and some unexciting strikeouts. Um, you know, that would be my bet at this point. Um, but that 7% swinging strike rate, even though it's it's a small sample, that isn't an alarmingly low number.
2: Yeah, um, I don't really have much to add from a, an analysis perspective, aside from the fact that it really sucks when these excellent pitchers that we've grown accustomed to watching start to kind of... I don't want to say fall apart, but start to lose it a touch. And um, Bumgarner reminds me a lot of Felix Hernandez. Um, he didn't start quite as young and uh, he wasn't throwing quite as hard. But um, we kind of all predicted that Felix Hernandez would kind of crash and burn at some point. And Bumgarner is still only just shy of 29. Um but it's hard to see it not ending in a similar sort of fashion with so many innings logged in such a short amount of time um, but aside uh, aside from that for this year, um Toby, you hit really all the points, so I've got nothing nothing more to add.
1: Yeah, I I mean, in terms of where I am on Bumgarner, you know, I I am definitely concerned because there is quite a bit to be concerned about. He's not generating the whiffs, not getting the strikeouts, struggling with his control. And, you know, small sample caveats apply, of course, to that. And the fact that he's giving up homers. Um, But, you know, the small sample size is really the key here. Um, It is a small sample. Nothing looks right? Um, and I wouldn't feel great buying, but I think at this point, people will be nervous and that makes this a buying opportunity. So I'm willing to take a shot that Bumgarner finds it, especially given the fact that the pitching landscape seems so devoid of, um, high end talent, at least healthy high end talent. Um, you know, this is an opportunity to get a high end starter, um, you know, at a reduced cost because people are going to be frustrated. They've waited a really long time for him to come back and he's not been good. So, you know, you're probably one more bad start away from people being willing to sell him for cents on the dollar. All right. That moves us to our player spotlight. Toby, why don't you kick us off?
3: Yeah. So one uh, hitter I wanted to talk about a little bit was uh, Brian Anderson. Uh, has third base, outfield, el- and, and outfield eligibility for the Marlins. Um, he's a he's a you know he's an exciting you know young player. Obviously, Miami's lineup lead leaves a little bit to be desired, but he's managed to put up some pretty solid counting stats in that lineup, um, and he's been a great source of average. He's hitting over three hundred. X stats supports it at I think an expected average of two ninety eight. Um, and then if you look underneath the the hood at some of the, um, skills, you know, he's really seen his contact rate, um, surge along with his hard hit rate. Um, his fly ball percentage is staying, um, has stayed pretty low, but he's a guy who I think, you know, may not be as valued by owners because of the Marlins and because of, um, uh, because he doesn't have really name value. So people may think it's a kind of a sell high opportunity, but I actually think that that the average and, you know, the runs because of the average and OBP are pretty sustainable. And I do think that there's, you know, I love guys who have really high contact rates who can couple it with hard hit rate, because when you have those, you know, great bat to ball skills, I trust you a lot more to make that leap of changing, lifting that launch angle just a little bit to start hitting a little bit, a few more fly balls. And so he's a guy who, I don't know if it's going to be this year um, or next year, but he's a guy I think who has put together a lot of the package that I'm looking for when I look at kind of breakout guys. And he's already kind of breaking out. Um, I tweeted about him like a month or so ago, but like, you know, monitoring that fly ball rate, I really do think that either later this year or next year, he's going to be a guy who can take the next step by um, hitting a few more fly balls and, and getting a few more home runs. He's also been unlucky. I think he's got like close to seven expected home runs this year and only only four actual home runs. So I just thought he's been kind of an interesting interesting profile and and uh, and guy to chat about. I don't know what you guys think
1: yeah I mean you basically hit upon um, a philosophy of mine and um, Joe and I share a dynasty league team and it's a points league it's basically O Ot- new style scoring um, and and you know that has been a hallmark of mine is trying to find guys that um, have you know that high contact skill um, because frankly I, I believe that um, you know, launch angle has become such a um, buzzworthy term that, um, you know, pretty much anybody can at this point um, find the power that hasn't been there. And if you're adding power to a, a, a strong contact base, you're going to find that high average, high power um, sort of skill set that doesn't um, exist around the league as much anymore um, and you know with so many straight power guys that don't hit for the high average and, and strike out so much you know it, it's becoming an exceedingly rare skill set um, so yeah I think Anderson definitely needs to be on the radar especially in that kind of format where you know you're looking at like a dynasty league if he's floating out there or or maybe somebody's looking to sell high this is a opportunity for you to go out there and get him um, Joe, do you have any thoughts, or do you want to move to your guy?
2: Uh, yeah, let's move on. I know we're running kind of kind of deep here now. So, um, uh, mine is uh, Andrew Suarez, the, the starting pitcher on the Giants. Um, he's a sort of a deep name to keep an eye on if he strings together a few hot starts. Uh, so he's a four pitch pitcher, armed with outstanding control, maybe five pitch pitcher depending on the classification of the pitch. Um, and through sixteen innings in the month of June, Suarez has a three point three one ERA. In a time where he's seen um, more of his fastballs classified as sinkers and not uh, four-seamers, um, his ISO allowed against the four-seamers is 323 versus 0.028 for his sinkers. Um, so th- my, my my question, I guess, I'm asking out there is, I guess, if, if he's working with a different grip or or generating more sink on his fastball, um, I think I wonder if he'll have more success and I wonder if, if he's, if he's changed his grip at all. Um, I I noticed too, that month over month, he's, um, he's changing his arm slot. Like I mentioned for some other pitchers, um, in general, uh, specifically Lugo earlier before. Um, so I, I think there could be something here, um, that he's, he's working on over the course of the season. Um, and, and another thing worth mentioning too is in San Francisco, he's got a three five five ERA at home. Um, he's gotten crushed on the road, uh, but he's someone worth uh, you know watching over his next few starts. And if he's still putting it together, he's got to be an ad because he's he's pitched well in the month of June. Okay,
1: my guy is Randall Grechuk. Um, Grechuk has come off the DL and really torn the cover off the ball. He's slashing 326, 380, 717 with five homers, a steal and walking 6% while striking out just 18% of the time. Those are all really positive numbers for Grychuk and makes him one of the hottest players in baseball uh, for the year. His Statcast cast data is totally elite. Uh, 98.8% mile per hour average. Fly ball, line drive, velocity. Uh, he's eleven barrels even per plate appearance. Um, Grechuk knows how to make the most of his contact. Uh, we were extremely high on Grechuk before the year began, Almost and I think this is what, yeah, we were too high. Um, but this is what we were dreaming on. Um, and the good news is is that because Grechuk was so bad in the early going, even with the hot three weeks, he still hitting below 200 and off most people's radars. So you can get them for free in most leagues. And at minimum, I mean, even if this isn't some sort of changing of the guard or, um, you know, change in terms of his overall skill set, you can at least ride the hot streak and, you know, cash a little bit, um, bank a little bit of the production. And he's also a guy that's on a team that's going to sell. So, you know, most likely he's going to see the volume going forward. Uh, Toby, who's your
3: second guy? Oh, my second guy is my favorite player of all time right now. Um, Domingo Harmon, <laughs> um of the Yankees um, pitched another beauty of a game. Um, this uh, Today against the Mariners, it was a two-hitter, nine Ks, um, seven uh, in seven innings. Um, he had 17 swinging strikes on 19... 19- Uh, 96 pitches, which is actually worse than his last outing. He has the second highest swinging strike rate among starting pitchers. um, uh, From the time that he, uh, from the time that he started uh, being a starter um, in early May, Um, his skills are awesome. And I think what I absolutely love about what he's done is he started out and he was giving up a ton of hard contact. He was getting, somewhat unlucky on, on home runs. His home run to fly ball rate was really high. His BABIP and uh, his BABIP was all right, but his strand weight rate was pretty high too. And what he did is he faded his sinker. Um, and he started throwing his four seam fastball more. His four seamer has a 12% swinging strike rate. And he started throwing his curve more as well. It's 35% of his pitches. And then he started fading his changeup, which was giving up hard contact. And what I love about what he did there is his, is his four-seam fastball has a 57% zone rate. And so, he was really struggling with giving up walks and then giving up solid contact. And so, what is it he essentially did by changing his pitch makes it say, I'm going to throw more strikes by going with my four-seam and fading my sinker. And I'm going to give up less contact by fading my sinker and going to my four-seam more often. So, people still might hit me hard, but there's going to be a, a greater chance that nobody's on base because I'm not going to be walking, guys. And... Um, and, you know, uh, um, I'm going to strike more guys out. And his swinging strike rate has really shot through the roof. He's got an elite curve, like uh, an an incredible curveball. All of his pitches are above 12% swinging strike rate, the three pitches that he's throwing uh, most of all. And when you look at his skills, I don't have them... Um, I don't have them um, uh, uh, for today, but if you um, look at his skills as a starter, um, heading into heading into today's start where he was, again, threw a two-hitter, didn't walk any batters, struck out nine in seven innings. His O-swing percentage was 34.3%, which is 14th among uh, quali- qualified starting pitchers. His swinging strike rate was 14.3%, which would have been sixth. That will have shot up. Um, His first pitch strike rate is about 2% above average at 62.8%. And his zone percentage is at 42.2%, which is about um, league average. So you essentially have a guy who's got above league average control, elite K stuff, and you know the only issue he has is batted balls, and it's going to be up and down because he's a rookie, but I absolutely love what he is doing and I think his potential is um, is high and you've seen that the last two the last two games.
1: Yeah, as I mentioned before we went on the air tonight. I mean he completely wrecked me tonight. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm certainly on board at this point. There's no denying. Especially against Seattle. Seattle's very good. Now, Joe, you didn't do your homework. You didn't do a second guy, right?
2: Womp, womp.
1: <laughs> yep. <Yeah>, failure. <laughs> All right. I, I took a look at Chad Cool. Um, you know, and and I saw plus velocity with increasing slider usage. He's over 30% on that pitch in three of the last four starts, which seems to be a trend for the entire Pittsburgh staff. Um, you know, the Tyone started throwing a slider as well. Um, and, and throwing it quite a bit. So to me, it's a, it's a positive development for Cool, who's, um, had some trouble, um, you know he he's he's he just he has that plus velocity but there's nothing else particularly special in his profile um but the slider is good enough that the plus pitch plus the velo might be enough for him to play in deeper leagues as like a right around a four ERA or, you know, again, in that Seth Lugo class where, you know, you could potentially see a tick below four with eight plus K per nine. Um, He's not going to be a great whip guy. I don't think he has an outstanding ceiling, but Again, I I do think that he's a guy that you can look at in matchups. Um, He's got the plus home park. He's got the NL. And I do think that he's got enough of his ceiling that um, he's worth watching and or picking up and stashing and seeing if the slider usage continues. Because if it does, um, you know, he he has the upside to be, you know, a top 60, top 50 type starting pitcher um, based upon his current skill set. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Uh Toby, why don't you let people know where they can find you once again? Um yeah, you can I can be reached on uh,
3: Twitter at @batflipcrazy. Um and I also have a blog that I update very occasionally, which is www.batflipcrazy.com. Uh, You'll probably see an article about Domingo Herman uh on that uh website sometime soon. uh joe let them know
2: where they can find you you can find me at joe fwo toby i just want to thank you man for coming on you were great um it was a great time
3: yeah i had a i had a blast i really appreciate you guys inviting me on um uh and yeah best of luck with your uh fantasy baseball seasons you too Um, man and uh keep up the great work on the pod this has been a lot of a lot of fun
1: yeah we'll we'll hope to have you on again thanks so much Um, and and for me in case you want to follow me at PatrickFWO and we will be back next week thanks so much again guys
0: thanks